Yo, what's up, everybody? My name is Lucas Halt, and I'm the host of your favorite podcast, Hogweed with Halty. Wait, it's probably not your favorite, but hey, let's roll with it. Before we get started, congratulations to my good friend, Lon Lalon, and his first career OHL start as he had 30 saves. Even though they didn't win, he still did great and plenty of success for him ahead. In this episode, I have a great episode of the Spark of Charlotte on Bedside Island. Corey Shocker Arsenal. Shocker runs the Q93 Charlotte Islanders broadcast on color besides the man, the myth, the legend, George Matthews. This is a great episode. Sit back, relax, grab that popcorn, and let's go. How's it going, everybody? My name is Lucas from Hockey Thoughts Podcast. Today, I'm proud to be joined by Corey Shocker. I know Shocker. How's it going? I'm doing terrific, buddy. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, thankful to be heading to the rink and hopefully uh, a big crowd here for this Thanksgiving matinee against the St. John Sea Dogs. Definitely. So as you're speaking about the game against St. John, what kind of your thoughts for both teams heading into it? Well, I like what the Islanders have done here out of the gate. Uh, certainly, there was a lot of hype uh, around them with the acquisition of Xavier Seminole, uh, you know, off to a great start, 3-1 uh, out of the gate. I think they would probably like uh, a few moments back in that game on Saturday night in Halifax, but hey, can't win them all, right? And maybe that loss is a little bit of a humbling one that uh, can can really install the, the belief in the dressing room that if you don't play a full 60 minutes, it's tough to pick up points in the queue, no matter who you're playing. Uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, St. John, you know, they got a talented team as well. Uh, I think you'll see a desperate team here this afternoon. Of course, winless out of the gate in four. Uh, it probably isn't sitting well in that dressing room. Uh, don't mind seeing it over here, right? It's a pretty big rival, the St. John Sea Dogs and Charlton Islanders. But Gordy Dwyer will have his team ready to go and really looking forward to uh, a big game. Uh, we'll look back at this podcast later on and kind of wonder. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the Islanders 2-0 against St. John early, but uh, today will be a, a big test for sure. What do you think Dwyer is going to send? Like, what type of message do you think he's going to send through their dressing room to kind of hype his team up and get them ready, kind of pull their head out of their system and just really get ready? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough uh, coming in when you have, you know, guys that have been around there and they've been building uh, uh, for this year uh, since they had a big draft, uh, that draft class with Villeneuve and Poirier and Durash, Brady Burns as well. Uh, you know, they've been building around those guys and uh, they have yet to get it done. So, you know, Gordy's trying to implement his own system. Uh, they played a real run and gun style and that's not how Gordy coaches. So, Trying to get that style implemented will be a challenge, but once it is, it'll make them better in the long run. But at the end of the day, uh, you're playing for pride. You're playing for the logo on the front of your jersey. And there's just too much talent in that dressing room not to get it right. I mean, there's no panic early on in the season. They're missing a couple of key players, one being Ryan Francis, another being a Euro. Uh, their, their cupboards are stocked with draft picks, so they have a ton of currency to buy at the deadline. I don't think there's any panic in their game, but certainly – uh, the hype around the CHL top 10 ranking, uh, you know, sometimes plays and, and you got to remember these guys are just kids. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them here as well. So we'll wait and see, but I think they're trending in the right direction for, for the Islanders. They just have to worry about their, their own game. And if they played them like they did on opening weekend, uh, you know, that's as good as hockey as I've seen in some time. So they should be all right. 
That's for sure. Well, fans just listening, the games today at 4 p.m. at the Easting Center, Charlottetown, but we're going to move away from that topic. So I kind of want to get into some humor. So that's the main reason why I brought you on the podcast, because I want a funny podcast. So I want you to tell us about you being a goalie for the PI Rockets more than skate many eons ago. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was quite an experience uh, for myself. Um, uh, back in, back in pre-kid days for sure. Uh, when we used to tour around uh, the Quebec league and, and, and enjoy ourselves, everybody knew when the rocket were coming into town, uh, it was probably going to be an easy two points, but you're going to have uh, a quite a few pints drank with the staff and, uh, you know, heading into that, that year, uh, it was year one, year two, Year two, Alain Vigneault was the head coach uh, of the Charlottetown Islanders. Uh, our first round pick, Ryan Muir, it might have been year one, actually. Ryan Muir was a 16-year-old Newfoundland goaltender. He became ill, and it was our first trip to Quebec. So, uh, of course, um, there was a lot of family and friends uh, at the morning skate because it was the first time the team had made it back into the Belle Provence. So I I kind of caught wind uh, the night before that uh, that Ryan Muir could be sick and they may be looking for a goaltender, and so I sheepishly volunteered. Of course, I had a lot of liquid courage in me at that time, and uh, I never really thought of it. Uh, I didn't make many morning skates uh, back in those days because uh, I was in Blanket Harbor basically. But I got a phone call um, probably around ten o'clock saying, "Shocker, you're up." you better get down to the rink. I said, are you serious? So I basically got up and the bus came and picked me up and went to the rink. Uh, I can only imagine what I was smelling like, but regardless, I got in there and I got all geared up and put the pants on and went to bend over and, and uh, lace up the pads. And I nearly blacked out. I was seeing stars. So I had to lay down like, like old school times and the rookies came over and laced the pads up. And next thing you know, they take the helmet and blast it over top of my head and they let me lead them onto the ice uh, at the Henry Leonard Center in Bay Camo, Quebec. So I get on the ice and wheeling around, and you can see there's the people in the stands kind of looking like this is this is their first round pick, this is their goaltender. And uh, regardless, uh, you know, Alain Vigneault said no high shots right off the hop. So Max Lapierre came in and he tried to go top shelf glove side. And I dropped down to one knee and threw the glove up and snagged it out of the air. Everybody was roaring, tapping their sticks. And that was probably the only puck I stopped because after that they kept it along the ice and and uh, they basically just ripped them by me. But it was a good experience, and I can uh, I can put that on my resume for sure. Definitely. Well, just saying when you stop in that shot, really, some people can have those quieting them up once in a while. And when he said they plopped the helmet on your head, I was surprised it fit. Yeah, yeah, after. it was uh, it, it was a struggle to get it on. Put it that way. I think they had to get a mall or something like that to try to get it over top and. Uh, my my head certainly wasn't molded to to what uh, Ryan Muir's was at the time, for sure. So you've been commentating for quite a long time, ten plus years. What would you say you learned most so far in commentating, and with commentating with George Matthews? Well, I mean, jo- George and I go back uh, a long ways. Uh, my first game that I ever broadcast it uh, at C one hundred two in Summerside, probably back in ninety nine or two thousand. I got a call to go on the bus as a color analyst with the Caps, uh, and George Matthews was doing play-by-play. And uh, he was a guy that I looked up to, I listened to um, my whole life growing up in Wellington Center and not being able to make it. 
in the summer side for too many games, I would listen to them on the radio. So for me to get that call certainly was a big deal. Um, uh, I can remember getting on the bus, sitting across from him. He opened up this red binder and he would just start reading off verbs and, you know, adjectives and certain ways to describe uh, dumping a puck in uh, over and over and over again. Uh, we went to East Hans form, uh, I believe it's called the East Hans Penguins and Summerside Capitals. And, and that was it. The rest was history. George went to Columbus, I think the year later, and I was offered the job to do play by play for the Caps, uh, Summerside Caps and, and follow them in the Charlton Abbeys. And that was a big step in stone. And just always been a passion of mine. When I, when I took radio broadcasting out of high school, I wanted to get into sports. Uh, I didn't really know how much it paid. And, you know, I am not, certainly not many people actually make real good money at it, but it's, it's, it's a passion. And if I wasn't around the rink and going to broadcast it, which I certainly enjoy, I'd be buying a ticket. So it's certainly a, a passion of mine. And, you know, uh, before George came back from Columbus, I was getting ready to almost really pack it in because, you know, I was traveling around the Quebec league and, you know, it's always better when you win and we weren't very successful in the rocket years, but we certainly had a lot of, a lot of fun and a lot of memories as well. So Ever since uh, the Islanders, you know, rebranded and ever since you guys rolled into town, I mean, there's been a lot more positive uh, times and it, it certainly keeps that fire burning to come back to the rink and more. But, you know, junior hockey, it's all about uh, a roll, roller coaster and a roll of, of cycles. But I've had an opportunity to meet some terrific young men over over the years and, and develop good friendships as well. And, you know, it's just been great. Uh, it's something that I continue to do to this day and and certainly enjoy. It's been a little bit more of a challenge with with three young kids. I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So, you know, my wife, Veronica, deserves, deserves a lot of credit. Um, you know, the travel schedule was cut down a little bit to, to allow me to stay involved like I am. But, you know, I, I love it. Uh, the, the, the passion is still there. This year, all 34 games are on the radio. So that's a big passion of George and I. And, you know, we try to put on a good show for listeners. So it's always easier when you have a good team to broadcast behind. And that's certainly been the case here in Charlottetown over the last uh, five or six years. So keeping involved, kind of just adding on, you're a scout as well for the Islanders. So what what do you enjoy most about scouting? I just, I, I love getting to know the background of the players, right? And I think that's an advantage to broadcasting too, but I, I just love being involved at, at the draft table. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, the thoughts and, and hashing out players, uh, positive and negatives uh, about it. And, you know, I kind of always follow drafts closely, uh, whether it's MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL. I just, uh, that's something that I've always had a passion for. And so, a couple of years back when the Atlantics came to Charlottetown, I, you know, I talked to Guy and Jim about getting a scouting pass and going. And I started doing, uh, you know, some write-ups and this and that. And it kind of evolved since then. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a volunteer role. Uh, I was in Charlottetown yesterday watching the Knights and, and the Vitos. You know, I just like getting to know the players. I like you know, discussing with our scouting staff who, are, who have done a great job here as well. And just have an opinion. You know me. I like to have an opinion once in a while, whether it's after the game in the dressing room or, or with you or with on the radio or with whoever wants to chat hockey. I love talking hockey. And so the scouting side of things is something that I really enjoy. It's not a full time. It's more of a part time and when I can chip in. But I, I certainly love that that process of, you know, trying to uncover uh, hidden gems and building your team around character kids. And uh, that, that's certain something that, that I've really enjoyed here over the last couple of years. So the Islanders recently picked 32nd overall Matisse Boulette. What kind of 
have you thought of his performance so far? Charlottetown obviously recently been out with an injury, but his first couple of games in the Harvest Gold, what have you kind of thought of him? Well, I mean, he's a guy that uh, we had long conversations about uh, at the draft table, and, you know, he was ranked very high on our list. So to see him fall to number 32, I think we were really shocked after, after day one was in the books. We didn't have a first-round pick. But when a guy like that that you have in your first round and fairly high up in your first round is there, it's something, someone that you want to jump on. And, you know, it was, it was a challenge, I think, for everybody last year because you're relying on a lot of video. But Matisse played against older players uh, in his region and has always excelled. And, uh, you know, for a kid to come from Rwanda across the province and basically to not many other places further away, I think is a testament to the kid. He wanted to be here first and foremost. And, uh, you know, it's a major adjustment for any 16-year-old uh, that is jumping in to the Quebec major junior hockey league. This isn't an easy league. It's not an easy league. It's not an easy decision to leave home at a young age as well, a whole different language, but I've been really impressed with his game. I mean, his IQ has certainly been there. Like any 16 year old, he needs to get stronger and faster. And that is going to come with time. But from what I've seen in the regular season, and you're going to see the speed pick up here a little bit over the next uh, month or two, uh, you know, he has the ability and he certainly doesn't look at a place here in, in his rookie season early on here in Charlottetown. That's for sure. Adding on with the key elements that the Highlanders have been picking up last year, they picked a Patrick Gay this year, Xavier Seam. Now, what's one thing that you think the Highlanders should be looking for at the trade deadline to hoist up that cup? Well, I, you know, I, I think you nailed it, the, the nail right on the head right there. I mean, uh, I, I, a lot of the heavy lifting has been done. Patrick Gay and Xavier Simino are, are two of the top players that have been acquired by any team here uh, over the last year and a half. So, I mean, those guys have been acquired uh, in, in, in line with the ultimate goal this year, and, and that's his to, to finally, you know, go all in here and uh, – take a stab. I mean, the Islanders have been to the semifinals now a couple of times and three times, I guess, the last five years. And, and that's kind of, you know, become the norm here. Now it's an opportunity to get to the next level. And, uh, you know, I you're just searching around and doing some armchair GMing at home at, right now, there's not a whole lot of names that really pop out, but I mean, you look at Victoriaville and what they did last year, they went and acquired three brand new twenties. I don't think there's a 20 year old corpse that are, are better than what we have here in Charlottetown this year. And when you have 20 year olds like that, it can, it can kind of put band-aids over a few other areas, but I think a top six forward for sure has got to be on the wish list. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams bidding for that, that service of a top six forward. As I got some cheerleaders here in the background, I told them to stay upstairs, but they wanted to follow downstairs to play, play with some toys, my girls, but uh, uh, you know, I, it, it, there's a lot of hockey to be played out and uh, you know, Patrick LeBlanc has really stepped up and looked like he can play a, a top six role here this year. He's looked great with uh, Patrick Gay and Xavier Seminole. And he was a guy that I think a few people had some question marks about, but it's all about maturity and patience sometimes with these players. And they click at, at different times, Drew Elliott, uh, Sam Oliver, they've been able to fill that top six role here so far. You know, there's, there's some internal options there as well. But, I, I, you know, you look at a team like Victoriaville and they went out and got that big piece in, uh, in Bocage that certainly was a difference maker in our series and was a difference maker in the finals. I don't think you have to go out and get, you know, half a dozen or three-star players like Valdor did. You look how that backfired on them. So, you know, I, there's going to be, you know, and that's, that's the other thing that I enjoy about this process as well. Not only when you're broadcasting, you're doing write-ups about potential trade targets, 
in the round the maritime division. But I mean, you look around, I think St. John, Shawinigan, Quebec, you know, these are teams that are going to be loading up and looking for that key player right now. It looks like if Halifax is selling, Elliot Desnoyers is going to be at the top of everybody's wish list. Cam Russell will be sitting in a, a nice position because uh, you're going to have to overbid each other out. So prices could be crazy, especially in the Memorial Cup year. But, you know, uh, Jim, your father has done a tremendous job getting Seminole, getting Patrick Gay in. And I think we're ahead of the curve in that aspect where we've already added two big guns that, uh, you know, would have cost it maybe just as much and even more at this year's trade deadline early on to get ahead of the curve. So, you know, I, I think you're looking to add for sure. Uh, like I said, the market isn't crazy and there's not a whole lot of players that are popping out to me right yet, but that's going to, players are going to rise. I mean, it's only early in the season here, but that's, that's certainly going to be an interesting factor because two teams are going to the Memorial cup and uh, we would certainly love to see the black and gold there as well. On the maturity side, speaking some people thought the goaltending for Jacob Gooby was a question mark going into the season, but he definitely showed some maturity through his first three starts as he goes two and one, and he looked very solid and steady as his goals against average. He only led in six through three games, averaging out two. He's shown some really um, good maturity. Do you think that could kind of be on not having superstar like Colton Alice or Matt Welsh in front of him? So it kind of just gives him a laneway and he's really feeling comfortable as of course, it's great to have mentors like Matt Welsh and Colton Alice, but knowing that you and Oliver Shatney are kind of right there for a certain job, do you think it makes him more comfortable or what's your opinion on that? Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was one of those guys that uh, I, in, in that first scouting trip that I did, Jacob Gooby was phenomenal at the Atlantics uh, in Charlottetown a couple of years back. And I said he was Matt Welsh 2.0. And uh, that was that was probably uh, unfair for the kid. And, you know, talking to Paul Drew, Matt Welsh uh, really only came into his own in, in his 18-year-old year. So, you know, there might have been a little bit of panic around there, but Jacob Gooby's always been the best or one of the best amongst his peers uh, throughout his career. So eventually the cream rises to the top and, you know, talking to uh, Pusey, uh, he, he, you know, took, took care of it, took, took a little bit of time off to think of the technical side of things this summer and just really battled. And uh, you know, there's never been a more technical goalie out there. I mean, than Jacob Gooby, I mean, you see his videos and he's just terrific, but it's about stopping the puck. And I think it's a maturity thing with him as well. Just like any player, when you, when you get older, you get wiser, you get stronger, and you get more comfortable. And, you know, I, I was so fired up for Jacob Gooby after the opening weekend because certainly that's a big question mark and goal. We've had stellar goaltending over the past couple of years with the names you just mentioned, you know, and, and for him to, for him to play at that level, you know, those guys were outstanding at 19 and 20. They, they, they had some question marks in their game at 18 as well. And Jacob Gooby to get off to the start and to see him battle and to see the team have confidence in front of him. Uh, you know what? I think the sky's the limit for Jacob Gooby and, uh, you know, for Shatney to get his first start here as well. And for that to come out victorious, you know, uh, goaltending all of a sudden isn't as big of a concern. But once again, we're only three weeks into the season. A lot of things can happen. But, you know, for Jacob Gooby, the pedigree has always been there. And I was absolutely fired up. He's a tremendous kid off the ice. And to see him get the job done and have the confidence and battle like he did, man, I was I was proud of the kid. And, uh, you know, he's he's a major piece here in that locker room. And for Shatney, you know, a bit of an unknown. And like any European, you pretty much have to give them 
you know, up until Christmas time to give him fair judgment moving halfway around the world. And, you know, his his practice habits have picked up here over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, a formidable goaltending. If we get good goaltending, we're going to be a great team. So, I mean, the team in front of him is is built on the back end. And goaltending is certainly a big part of that as well. So, but Jacob Gooby, I mean, uh, it's been early, but uh, he certainly looks like a reason why the Charlton Islanders made him the first goalie picked in his draft class. That's for sure, as we really like seeing him kind of lighting up. And as you kind of mentioned on the flip side, over Shatney, Shatney looked very solid in his opening set. I look forward definitely to get seeing him more. Jacob Brabinick, uh, he's fourth round Vegas pick. He's just getting adjusted to the CHL style, but I really like the future for this kid. Yeah, I mean, he was he was phenomenal, and it's not hard to tell that he played against men last year in the in the top league in the Czech Republic. Uh, you know, watching him play it made me remember of how good Nikita Alexandrov was here in Charlottetown. I mean, he's only 18 years old. Uh, this kid is going to be dominant. Uh, you know, not only in the second half of this year, but next year as well. Um, you know, and I think that was a huge disadvantage for the Islanders last year. They're one of, uh, they were the only team in the final four without a European import. And when you see the skill and, and what, what, uh, uh, Jacob, uh, brings to the lineup, it certainly, uh, would, would have went a long way, even as a 17 year old, his vision, his playmaking ability, his ability to protect the puck along the half wall and down low. So smart defensively as well. And he wants it. He wants to be a pro comes from a terrific uh, family. I was doing some backgrounding on it, on his family tree. His grandfather was one of the top uh, basketball players uh, in his country growing up. And his father at 45 or 46 years old is still playing pro hockey. So, you know, the, the, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and, and Brabant inch is, you know, another guy that was really a little bit of an unknown, but I think we have to be thrilled to what we have right now. He, he's just scratching the surface and uh, he's certainly a difference maker on the ice. And, you know, that's, that's a guy that comes in and fills, a top six role here, and it's going to be an impact player. So the 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 the, the cards are lining up here for the Islanders, but uh, of course it's not one on paper; it's one on the ice. But uh, with the work ethic and and the commitment that uh, Jim has installed and Guy and Kevin, they've done a, a tremendous job, and Puzi as well. That you know, uh, you know, there's a reason why people are getting excited about this team. Uh, I, you know, out of the gate, they're one of the strongest teams. I think your father's head here in his tenure and he's had some strong teams here. So I think that's why everybody's fired up here to see how this, how, how far this team can go. That's for sure. As the Islanders definitely are putting a bright light back into Charlottetown because I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Summer's fun and all, but there's nothing better than back to hockey and the atmosphere with just the Abbey horn and everything around the East Wing center. I feel like the fans themselves know this is the year because everyone is bringing that light. The momentum and so much higher, higher stakes. Everyone's just, it seems like that Charlottetown kind of finally has a hockey base as it seems like over the past decade, Yes, we have a great fan base, but there can be their on and off nights, but they definitely hit it on par so far this season. So seeing the support from the fans, definitely for the new guys, definitely helps welcome them into the atmosphere and get them ready to adjust to our style. Yeah, certainly there's a buzz. There's a buzz around the island right now. And I mean, I'm on construction job sites daily. And, and the, one of the first questions that I get from tip to tip, the Islanders, they got a good team this year, don't they? And then I start saying, yeah, you better get out and get your tickets. And, uh, you know, I it, traditionally, 
Um, you know, once Remembrance Day rolls around, I mean, it's so nice outside here this afternoon. It's it's a tough to get people out and, and into the rink. It's always easier when you have a winning team, but the crowds are going to be coming. And I know Craig Foster and the in the office staff were really happy with the opening weekend. I mean, when you go from just a thousand fans every night uh, to all of a sudden it's doubled. Plus, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's a business and and it requires on funds to to churn the wheels. And in the last couple of years have been a tough. Tough goal it for for a lot of teams, especially small market teams, and uh, for the Islanders to get the support and to have the team and everything lined up with the Abbey Horn back. You're right. I mean, uh, there's an excitement uh, around the island. There's an excitement in the building and uh, something to build off here because uh, it really feels like the start of of something special happening here this year. That's for sure. As we always love the potatoes having some energy as well as driving down the road and everyone just seems into it. Well, Shocker, thanks so much for coming on today. Everyone, that was Corey Arsenal, a.k.a. Shocker, color analyst and scout of the Charlton Islanders on today's episode. Thanks for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? Luke Salton here, Hockey with Elsie host. And adding on to this, Thank you guys all so much for watching. The support means so, so much. Thank you all so much. I want to bring on Corey because he's one of the funniest people I ever met. And I wanted to show his humor to you guys. And I think he presented it pretty well. Just touching on, I thought it was pretty funny that Corey stopped an NHL star. Like, never even played goalie before. Tosses up there and makes that save. He, Maxine played over 600 Ancho games. Wow. Well, that was a great episode. My name's Luke Salt and Hockey Thoughty. Sign off for now.